Today's program was made possible by the generous prayer and support of the faithful friends and partners of this ministry. Visit our new website at Sheila.media. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Sheila Zolinski Show for this Thursday, November 8th, 2018 edition. I am so excited to jump right into the program today because I've wanted to have this guest on. Trust me when I tell you, I've been trying to get him on, and it's such a pleasure to welcome Dave to the program. He is also known as the Praying Medic, and it is so good to have him on the program. I want to jump right into it. Dave, welcome to the program. It is such a pleasure to have you on, sir. Hey, Sheila. Thanks for having me on the show, finally. Uh, (laughs) What Sheila is not telling you is I think this is a fourth try that we've tried to do this podcast and you keep on having internet issues when we try to record. Yeah, it's not lack of trying, that's for sure. Well, you're here now. Listen, why don't you start off by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you became known as Praying Medic and get into some of the backstory for the folks who may not be familiar with you. Yeah, I am a social media maven. Full disclosure, I spend half my life on social media, probably. Um, you know, I'm a former atheist. I did not believe in God, and I did not, especially did not believe in the miraculous. And then uh, some years ago, I had a rather dramatic overnight conversion, became a Christian. And then eight years after I first became a believer, God introduced me to the supernatural. He told me that he wanted me to start healing people in the ambulance of all places. I was very reluctant to do that, but I also didn't want to be disobedient. So he very patiently walked me through the process of learning about the miraculous. My wife, Denise, and I have seen thousands of people healed in grocery stores, restaurants, and I've seen a lot of them healed in my practice as a paramedic. The Praying Medic name actually came from Twitter years ago. Uh, Let's see, 2008 was when I started my adventure into the miraculous. 2009, I started seeing people healed. I began blogging about the miracles, the healings that I'd seen, people getting set free of uh, demonic oppression. And I needed a name for the blog. And so I picked the name Mobile Intensive Prayer Unit. And then when I got on Twitter, I needed to have uh, a name. And most of the people who write medical blogs, doctors, nurses, paramedics, firefighters. They all blog anonymously to keep their patients' uh, names from being known and to keep people from tracking them back to where they work. So I just decided to write under the name of Praying Medic. And that was my name on Twitter when I first joined back in 2009. I use the same uh, name for Facebook. And once the snowball started rolling, uh, we began publishing books in 2012. I just decided to keep the pen name Praying Medic. So that is kind of my story. Uh, I've been on social media as Praying Medic for many years. And uh, yeah, like you said, my Twitter following has grown a lot ever since Trump became president, really. I wasn't super active on Twitter. I didn't have a whole lot of engagement. But once the Lord began giving me dreams about the president and about the president's war with the fake news media and all this other, then it turned into Q stuff. My Twitter account just blew up because Twitter is really a place where politically active people engage and debate and discuss and sometimes call each other names. <laughs> Everything is political and it has to do with current events. Most of it is happening on Twitter. Yeah, I was never really all that politically active, but once the Lord began giving me all these dreams about Trump and things that was going to happen, I got on Twitter and I found out that that's where you know politically active people engage. So I spend a lot of time on Twitter right now. 
Well, I definitely want to have you back on a future show to get in to your healing book because that's an area, you know, deliverance and healing is a big part of my ministry and calling too. And I, I'm so passionate about people are not understanding divine healing and creative miracles and supernatural things. Definitely want to have you back to talk about that. What I do want to talk about right now is this absolute chaos that has really ensued after Tuesday. I mean, I'm still trying to figure out how <laughs> this is not a re- to me, it still was a red tsunami. You know why I say that? Because when you really step back and you take a macro view at what happened, I don't think we've seen the entirety of the red tsunami, but I think this is the start of it. And this is something that I tweeted out, and I thought this was so interesting. Oprah Winfrey, her candidate Stacey Abrams didn't win, although we see what they're trying to do, especially we're going to get into what they're trying to do in Florida here. Oprah's candidate didn't win. Taylor Not-So-Swift's candidate didn't win. Rihanna's candidate didn't win. Beyonce's candidate didn't win. The Soros-sponsored Beto, that Irish con man. Uh, Boy, don't get me started on him. He didn't win, though. So what was there? Something like 70, 80 million pumped into him from Soros and celebrities. That is what I call a tsunami of success, don't you? Yeah, well, they spent a lot of money uh, trying to get their candidates in. And most of them did not get in. Most of the Democrat candidates who won, interestingly enough to me, were ones who embraced a position of, you know, we need to stop being so hostile toward conservatives and Trump, yeah. and we need to try to reconcile a little bit. Those were the ones who tended to, to get elected from the from the blue side of the aisle. Uh, and interestingly enough, the Republicans who did not get reelected were the never Trumpers. And the people who would not go along with Trump, you know, Joe Manchin is a good example. Only reason Joe Manchin got reelected was he voted to support Judge Kavanaugh for Supreme Court. I think if he would have stood against Kavanaugh, he would have been bounced out of office. So the, the whole thing about the red wave, you know, the red tsunami, it didn't meet the expectations of a lot of people. But quite frankly, most of the time, we have unrealistic expectations. Yes. I think people suffer disappointment because they have expectations that are unrealistic. I have learned over the years to keep my, my expectations fairly low. That way I'm never disappointed. And I'm often surprised because I come in to this, the, a lot of these things without having a lot of expectations. I just observe what happens and I try to keep a, looking at the 40,000 foot view. It's really easy to get wrapped up in the details and to get angry and upset over your candidate or your state or your ballot issue or whatever. I prefer to look at the 40,000 foot view. There are some really interesting things going on if you look at the big picture. Uh, one of them is arrests. We have arrests coming, uh, I think relatively soon. And I think it's going to be a lot of people, probably a lot of people in Congress. And that is why I'm not all that concerned about the red wave, the red tsunami, you know, how the elections turn out. Because very likely, I think in the next probably two or three months, a lot of people from Congress are going to be arrested. And we're going to be looking at a lot of election, uh, special elections in the next year or two. So it's way too early right now to try to analyze this and say, well, this is what we're stuck with for the next two years, the next four years. This is not what we're stuck with. We're in a very rapidly changing uh, kind of a dynamic situation. I think, how were the midterms not awesome? The House means jack, really, when you have a strong Senate. And, you know, people are fretting about sessions. Like, you know, it it went the way it was supposed to. I say, you know what? God's got a plan. People say, trust the plan like Q. And by the way, Q has got hammered, hasn't he? Let's get into that. (laughs) Q has got hammered by political pundits who have been waiting for something that Q has uh, predicted to either not come true or to come out different from the way people have perceived it, right? 
So Sessions steps down. It took less than 24 hours for all of uh, the, the Q haters to come out of the woodwork and say, oh, Q's a LARP, Q's a fake. They told us, to, Q told us to trust Sessions and now Sessions is gone. And a, a number of these political pundits predicted that Sessions would be removed from office right after the midterms. And because they happen to be correct, because they happen to guess correctly, they think, aha, here we have it. We have proof. Q's a LARP. Q didn't see this coming. Q guessed incorrectly. Q told us to, to trust Sessions. And obviously, Trump doesn't trust Sessions. Otherwise, he wouldn't have got rid of him. Well, there are about 19 logical fallacies in that argument. Number one, I have never seen any evidence to suggest that Sessions was part of the deep state. And the fact that Sessions has appointed Huber, John Huber, as a an attorney who is impaneling grand juries around the country to deal with corruption and the fact that nothing has leaked out of Huber's investigation and the fact that Huber reports directly to Jeff Sessions or whoever the attorney general is now, in this case, it'll be Whitaker. To me, that is a pretty clear demonstration that Sessions was doing the work that needed to be done. He's been cleaning up corruption. He's been cleaning up child trafficking, sex trafficking. He's been cleaning up arresting drug lords, and I think his work has been greatly underappreciated, again, because people have um, unrealistic expectations of what you can do in a limited time frame. So I do not, uh, for a minute, buy the idea that Sessions was part of the deep state and that Sessions was actively working against Trump. I, there's no evidence to support that at all. And a lot of the conservative pundits, they take the view that Sessions is part of the deep state, that he and Chris Ray and a lot of other people in the FBI and DOJ are working against Trump. I, I do not believe that for a minute. I believe Trump needed to replace Sessions for one reason and one reason only. Sessions was forced into a position where he had to recuse himself because he was part of Trump's campaign. And there's no way he was ever going to unrecuse himself. And there's no way he would ever be able to do anything regarding the Mueller investigation or anything else. So he got himself into a position where he really couldn't help Trump to the fullest extent of what he could do. Trump was in a position where if he fired Sessions or set, or if Sessions stepped down, there would be holy hell to pay. The optics would be terrible, right? So what's obvious to me is they planned this out, that the day after the election, after the elections were done, midterms are done, then next day, Sessions steps down, gets out. Trump can put in somebody who is not recused, who can immediately take over control of the Mueller investigation, who can immediately declassify what needs to be declassified as far as Bruce Orr's 302s, the FISA doc documents. In addition to that, all the emails and text messages between uh, James Comey, Andrew McCabe, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, and Bruce Orr that have anything to do with the Trump-Russia investigation, all those emails and text messages are also going to be declassified. Um, right now, Whitaker has the ability to declassify all of that. Now, he'll work with Horowitz, Mike Horowitz, who is the inspector general, and Horowitz is working on a concurrent investigation into FISA abuse. So we have a guy now, you know, and, and people can second guess the whole Jeff Sessions thing. But here's an interesting thing that a lot of people have overlooked. All right. If you go back to <laughs> a Q post from actually, it's from quite a long time ago. This was way before the elections. Q asked, how do you navigate around an installed obstruction? You use a stealth bomber. And here's this is a, from a post. Let me get the date on it here from November 3rd. So it's from a couple of days before the election. Q said, keep your eye on the ball, midterms and memes. 
And then there's a very long post that talks about the Mueller investigation. At the end of this post, he wrote, how do you remove an installed blockade? D-class, D-class, D-class. How do you navigate around an installed corrupt FBI and DOJ? Use a stealth bomber. Then underneath the stealth bomber, there's eight spaces. All right, eight spaces. Well, Q was hinting to us that somebody is coming who is flying under the radar, who nobody expects, and their name has eight letters. Whitaker's name has eight letters. And by the way, Matthew Whitaker is a hammer, and he was the one. Oh my gosh. I've been reading about that dude. I love him. (laughs) He's very close to Trump. And here's the kicker he was the one that suggested they have enough evidence to go after the the Hillary Clinton Foundation. This is good news. Oh, yeah. I listened to a short interview with him, and this was back in 2016. And he said, look, it's very obvious when you look at what the FBI and DOJ is doing with respect to the Clinton Foundation, there's two sets of rules. There's one set of rules for the Clintons and their cronies, and there's one set of rules for everybody else. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, there's absolutely no reason why this should not be prosecuted. We need a special counsel. This is corruption. It has to be investigated and prosecuted. So I like everything I've seen from Whitaker. And Q did suggest a few days before the election that somebody with the name of with a, a name that had eight letters was going to be the stealth bomber. Now, I incorrectly assumed that it would be Sessions and Huber because, well, Sessions name has his last name has eight letters, but Sessions is not a stealth bomber. Sessions is kind of out there in the public eye. and Everybody sees what he's doing, but nobody saw Whitaker coming out of the woodwork and taking over as an acting attorney general. So I think we did have a little bit of a, a hint that Whitaker was was coming. So we had a hint of that. Now, I mean, the, the, the chaos that's ensuing in the headlines, take this, for example, the Atlantic this morning says, Trump will only get more dangerous. The dismissal of Jeff <laughs> Sessions makes this clear. Trump is dangerous. Trump needs to be stopped. All this talk from Chuck the Schmuck Schumer, you got Liawatha Elizabeth Warren throwing her two cents in because we care what she thinks. And now, you know, ironically, we see thousands protesting Sessions firing in in Times Square. There's almost 10,000 people in New York City are protesting President Trump's oust of Attorney General Sessions. Really? Essentially, Trump got the left who hate Jeff Sessions to throw a march for Jeff Sessions? I mean, you can't even make this stuff up. Well, you have to understand, and you, you know this, you know the mainstream media's narrative. They hate Trump. They want to destroy Trump. They want to discourage Trump supporters. So they're going to push two narratives. One, that we got our, our, our butts kicked in the midterms. Number two, that Trump's move to get rid of Sessions and put in somebody who is not recused is an attempt to interfere with and obstruct the Mueller investigation. Bingo. And as soon as Whitaker was named, boom, Chuck Schumer, Sally Yates, Eric Holder are on Twitter running their mouths about, he had better not obstruct the Mueller investigation. Whitaker needs to recuse himself. Why? Because they want Rod Rosenstein in charge of the Mueller investigation. Well, and Rod Rosenstein's gone, by the way. I predict he'll be gone within the week. Yep. Uh, I heard from uh, One American News, one of their gals who is one of their reporters, she tweeted out yesterday that they are hearing that Rosenstein is going to be resigning within 48 hours. Oh, good. Well, that's nice. Well, let's read the little meerkat 
Eric Holder's classic here. What a, let me find his tweet here. Eric, this is Eric Holder. Anyone who attempts to interfere with or obstruct the Mueller inquiry must be held accountable. This is a red line. We're a nation of laws and norms, not subject to the self-interested actions of one man. Really? Oh, I can't wait till this guy goes to Gitmo. Well, I wouldn't be too sure that some of those people aren't already at Gitmo. The night of the election, I'm just going to throw this out there. I, I have no way to confirm this. But the night of the election, this guy who is they on, on 8chan, they call them plane fags. They watch airplane radars and they just track air traffic all night and all day. Whenever they have free time, they're, they're tracking air traffic. So this guy sent me a message and a link to one of the air traffic websites. And he was pointing out all these aircraft that were flying in and out of Gitmo the night of the election. And he said, I am not exactly sure what's going on here, but there's heavily increased traffic coming in and out of Guantanamo Bay. And I have a couple of other people who sent me messages about arrests on or right before the election, like the day of or the day before the election. So I would not be at all surprised if some people have already been sent into Gitmo covertly. It's not going to be reported on right away, but that we're going to see that. That that stuff is already happening, I think. People are going to be getting processed. And Trump is Trump is just pulling out the stops right now. Whitaker has taken over control of the Mueller investigation. The Mueller investigation is coming to an end. We know that. We knew that before the election. He's going to announce his results, and that'll be it. Uh, Whitaker is pretty much an, an outspoken opponent of the Mueller investigation as far as the scope of it goes, not yeah. the investigation itself. But he doesn't want it to go beyond the scope. Interesting, Q last night posted, or might've been this morning, what would happen if Whitaker declassified all of the documents, including the document that that Rosenstein wrote that describes the new scope of Mueller's investigation. And that memo was released, but it was heavily redacted. And people have been make, have a hard time figuring out exactly what it all means. So Q suggested that Whitaker might actually release that information that would reveal how Rosenstein redefined the scope of Mueller's investigation. Trump just tweeted out that he is considering declassifying the files and information involved with the Mueller investigation. So this thing is moving very quickly <laughs> from, I mean... As soon as the election results, you know, the next day, Trump is now pulling the levers and he is he's got his heavy guns on deck. He is not waiting. Yeah. As far as Trump's concerned, you know what? He's going after his opponents. The, the, the time for games are over. He's getting out the big guns. And I feel like there's a shift now and it is hammer time. And I think he's just going to go after these devils with a new fervor. I really feel like there's going to be an acceleration of stuff that God's going to reveal. God is going to pull back the curtain more. There's going to be arrests. There's going to be tribunals. I just think it's just going to be, it's no holds bar. It is going to be the wild west here. And boy, there's some really amazing things I think we're going to see between now and especially in come the new year in January. It's just just no holds barred. Does that bear witness with your spirit? It does. We have been in a, what I would call like a, a holding pattern for years. While people have been praying and praying and praying, I think we've been in a holding pattern. And I think that recently that holding pattern has ended and events are now snowballing and accelerating. I mean, Denise and I wake up in the morning and it's hard for us to keep track of all the events that are happening right now around oh, the world. Yes. 
we have Vladimir Putin and Trump meeting on Sunday yeah. uh, on the 100th anniversary of the end of World War One, And I guarantee you something earth shattering is going to come out of that meeting. And then next week, it'll be more interesting stuff. Come on. It's it, it's really almost impossible to keep track of everything that's happening right now. Well, I want to go back to Q for a minute. Now, Q has tweeted out. Some, I mean, again, Q got hammered. Uh, people... Hey you know, said, oh, Q sold us out, Q did this. But the thing that people are not understanding, when Q says trust the plan, why do people think they need to know every little intimate detail? I mean, do we trust that God's got a plan or do we not? Right. And that's that's the problem that a lot of people have. When God says, trust me, does that mean that God is going to give you every little detail, the roadmap, all the names of the people you're going to meet, the jobs you're going to have. Does God in advance give you all the details? Of course not. He expects you to wake up in the morning and follow him every day, following his leading through the Holy Spirit, through dreams, visions, prophetic words, through revelation. God expects you to walk with him as he leads you on the path daily, right? You don't get to know all the details in advance. That's what trusting God is, is trusting that he has a plan and that he, to some degree, is watching over you, keeping you safe, and his plan is unfolding in your life as it's being unveiled. It's a progressive revelation. Same thing with President and Q. People think Trust a plan means know all the details of the plan. Never being disappointed, never being surprised, never seeing anything coming that you know you wasn't anticipated. I wake up every day, you know, going to the queue drops and go, oh my gosh, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> like, where did that come from? Oh, now we're talking about this and oh, interesting. Hmm, how does that fit into the puzzle? I'm I'm always amazed and always surprised by whatever queue drops. I was really surprised when sessions stepped down, resigned, whatever you want to call it. But, but here's the thing. When you get a piece of the puzzle that doesn't seem to fit with the rest of the puzzle, you need to kind of just step back, pray about it, be quiet, and let God show you where that piece of the puzzle fits in. So this piece with Sessions being out of the Department of Justice, I went back and I was like, okay, I obviously misunderstood something. What did I misunderstand? Okay, Sessions was not the stealth bomber. Well, if he wasn't, who was? So I went back and sure enough, there's a little eight spaces under Stealth Bomber and Whitaker's name fits right in there. And I was like, oh, okay, I didn't see that. I guess I misinterpreted something. <laughs> and it's that's just how it is. If something shows up that Q posts and it doesn't seem to fit your understanding, you need to go back and recheck what's going on and look at things with a different set of eyes and realize, okay, I misinterpreted something. You know, It's the same way with the Lord. The Lord gives you and I, he gives us prophetic words, right? How many times has a prophetic word that you received, you thought it was going to play out one way and it played out in a completely different way. And you, you only see how it played out by looking at it after it comes to pass and you realize that was not what I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that that is part of faith, though. And I think we can't possibly know all the intel that Donald Trump has. We can't possibly know how deep this gut rot goes in the deep state. So there's a lot of things. I mean, the recusal itself, we have to remember Trump is often 10 chess plays ahead of these folks and he knows what he's doing. There is a plan in place. And so do we think this, recu I mean, the recusal is a huge piece of this, isn't it? It's a huge piece of it. It is the main reason why Sessions had to go. It wasn't because he's a bad man, not because he's not a patriot. It's because he was very, very ineffective and, and unable to do much to help Trump because he had to recuse himself. And there's no way he could really unrecuse himself. 
without people flipping out and rioting. Difficult decision, but it had to happen. And they put in Sessions' chief of staff. Now, someone made a good point on Twitter this morning. If Trump didn't trust Sessions, then why did he hire Sessions' chief of staff as his replacement? Yeah, see, there's something going on there. Well, (laughs) no, there's another job opening going to come open at the DOJ, too. Let's not forget, right? Yes. So when Rosenstein goes, we'll have, there will be two full-time spots open. There'll be attorney general and deputy attorney general, right? And Whitaker is in as a temporary replacement. Come January, when the new session of Congress is sworn in, Trey Gowdy will no longer be a congressman. And it would not at all surprise me if there is a position in the Department of Justice waiting for Trey Gowdy. And now that Trump has a stronger, more supportive group of senators, he should be able to get through any nomination that he wants for the Department of Justice. Well, it seems like Trump is putting in the key players. Yeah, he is. You know, Trump, unlike most politicians, politicians look at political appointments as... Uh, a political favor. We owe you this. You know, you've earned it. You've worked hard in, in these lower positions, and now you're going to be elevated to some higher position, and you'll be there for the duration of my term in office. Well, that's how politicians think. That is not how a successful billionaire businessman thinks. Successful billionaire businessman knows that they're that a person has to be efficient and competent in doing their job, and they have to get objectives met and they have to meet goals, and they have to perform. If they don't, if they're not a right fit in that position with the organization, or if they can't accomplish Trump's objectives, they have to go. They have to be replaced. And Sessions would have been replaced a long time ago, were it not for the horrible optics it would have caused. But look at what happened to Rex Tillerson. Right. Rex was doing really good work as Secretary of State. And then boom, one day Rex is gone. And Mike Pompeo moves from CIA to Secretary of State. Why? Because Rex was able to help Trump move the football forward, get some things accomplished with the Saudis in the Middle East. And then he had to, Trump needed somebody different to work with Kim Jong-un and North Korea. So he got rid of Rex. He brought in Mike Pompeo. His explanation was, I like Rex. He's a good man, but we are not on the same page. Mike Pompeo and I are on the same page. We're on the same wavelength. We share thoughts. He totally gets me and I get him. Trump trusts Mike Pompeo more than just about anybody in his administration. So going into the North Korea negotiations, he needed somebody to fill that role who had specific abilities and he felt like Pompeo was the best person. That left a hole in the CIA. They promoted uh, Gina Haspel, who's a career CIA person who they trusted to straighten out uh, and clean up the dirt in the CIA. He kept Sean Spicer in there long enough until Sean could fill the role. And then he put in Sarah Huckabee Sanders because she was better able to do what he needed to get done. Chief of staff. He had Rents Priebus in. Rents Priebus was a, was a, unfortunately was a compromise on the part of Trump with the deep state. Mm. Priebus was leaking and Trump realized Priebus was not the person need to be in there. So he got rid of him and he brought in General Kelly, a former Marine general who would control the leaks, who would control 
other issues that were going on inside intelligence issues because he felt like General Kelly was qualified to meet the objectives that needed to be met. And it's the minute that General Kelly is not any no longer the right person for that job, he'll be replaced. And it's the same thing with Sessions. And it's the same thing with anybody in Trump's cabinet. As soon as Trump decides that you're not fulfilling the needs, you're not reaching the objectives, or somebody else better comes along, you're going to be replaced. It's the way it is. Oh, boy, is that a good word you just used, replaced. Speaking of being replaced, that's a good segue. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg breaks a bunch of ribs. I mean, are we just being fed a bunch of Bravo Sierra because she's on her way out? I mean, here we have her. She's three broken ribs. She's in the hospital. She already apparently broke some ribs back in 2012. I get the feeling on a gut level that there's something else going on here. Well, you know that Mark... Uh, Taylor prophesied about the Supreme Court. Yep. Three will be shaken, one will be taken. What I interpret that as is there are three Supreme Court justices who are going to be shaken because of uh, <laughs> their past and one who is going to be taken, taken by the Lord. So that leaves what I understand that to be is four judges who will be replaced uh, by Trump. We already had Kennedy step down. Scalia was open when Trump got elected. Kennedy stepped down. Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, fell broke her ribs. We don't know if she's going to die. Although I will tell you this, people who are elderly, you fall and break some ribs, have a, uh, a fracture of the spine and end up in a nursing home on rehab. It's really easy to develop pneumonia or respiratory distress. It, that is actually one of the leading causes of death is people go into a rehab facility because of a skeletal injury and they end up getting some kind of infection or septic process and then end, they end up dying from it. Something like a fall like that, if she ends up in rehab, it could be a not not so good outcome for her. So I suspect Ruth Bader Ginsburg will be leaving the Supreme Court relatively soon. And I suspect Sotomayor and Kagan will also be leaving the Supreme Court relatively soon. Yeah, so therefore Trump's going to get more of his selections for nominations for SCOTUS. That is incredible winning. And speaking of winning, I was really happy to see this. My favorite clown news reporter at CNN got his White House press credentials revoked. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. CNN is like, it's time for them to walk away and shut down. I mean, they are such sold out minions. They have zero ratings. But we also see Fox News pulling some real shenanigans on election night. What is going on with these guys? I mean, now that Murdoch's left and these liberal lemmings have taken over. I mean, it's it's death to the fake news, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, other than Hannity and Maria Bartiromo, <laughs> there isn't really anybody on Fox that I care to listen to. And I can only take Hannity in small doses. And not because I don't think he's a patriot or he's a good man, but his constant shrieking and yelling and screaming about the Mueller investigation being shut down. I got tired of hearing that th- that same message over and over and over again. I do a lot of my own research uh, when it comes to news. But yeah, Fox has kind of turned a corner somewhat. Here's a problem. Shepard Smith is a news director at Fox. Oh, don't remind me. You know, who is the one person everyone complains about at Fox? It's Shepard Smith. Yeah, exactly. Well, he's a news director. They have the Fox guarding the hen house. So it's not surprising to me that Fox is kind of turning into a an unreliable platform. Well, I was really still glad. It was That made my week when Jim Acosta tweeted out, oh my gosh, the White House has blocked me from... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, CNN has turned into such a clown show. I I have a hard time taking anything they say seriously anymore. I'm just like, what are they going to do next? 
Yeah, and Trump just beat him like a redheaded stepchild. He was so rude. And he said he didn't karate chop her. What do you call that? And now they're circulating, oh, Infowars doctored a clip where Jimmy Con- I mean, come on, just an absolute disgrace. Oh, but all of Hollywood's come out to support their hero, Jim Acosta. Are you kidding me? What a jackass this guy is. I don't care what anybody says. Trump steamrolled over him like political roadkill. He was not nice to him, (laughs) but he had it coming. Acosta has probably crossed over a line. The media, they know that Trump is a fighter. I mean, they don't like it. They're used to being able to push politicians around, but they have come over to know over the last couple of years that if you take a punch at Trump, he is going to punch you back. And I think some of them have probably developed an agenda where they want to take a punch at Trump because they want to see him retaliate and want to put that on camera. They want to get Trump angry so that they can show their audience how angry he is, how dangerous he is, how unhinged he is. So they're just trying to provoke him to anger. And you know, Trump is comfortable enough in his own skin that he really doesn't care. They, they need to be careful. They need to be careful because I think... The media has, to some extent, they have gaslighted themselves to thinking that they know Trump and they don't know him or they don't believe that he's capable of doing some of the things he's going to be doing in the future. They are going to be shocked at some of the things that are going to come out that Trump is going to do in the future. And they kind of are there. I, th- I think they do. They do to some extent live in a bubble and, you know, they read their own press clippings. They believe their own fake reports. And I think they have, like I said, to some extent, they've gaslit themselves into a false reality and they're going to get a very rude wake up call in the not too distant future. Well, now let's talk, speaking of not too distant future, 11, 11, 18, there's a lot of yep. talk about that. What is yep. your take? Yeah. Hugh has posted uh, quite a bit about 11, 11, 18. Um, I've, I've put this out in some of my uh, recent messages. One of the things that Q said about 11, 11, 18 is that America is going to be united again on 11, 11, 18. Now, Q has also said, now this was... This is back in March, April, and May, the things I'm going to talk about. In March, after it was announced that Trump was going to meet with Kim Jong-un, the Anans on 8chan got kind of excited. And they're like, oh, this is amazing. Trump's going to meet with Kim. Maybe they'll denuclearize North Korea. And Q said that Kim and Trump had already met. And when the Anans asked when and where, uh, Q said, think the forbidden city. Trump never crossed the line on the ground. He didn't cross the the 40th parallel. And this was an allusion to when President Xi and Trump met in China during his trip to Asia in November of last year. He essentially suggested that Xi had secretly brought Kim to the Forbidden City in China, and they had a meeting, the three of them, where they probably ironed out the details of denuclearizing the North Korean peninsula. And if you look at what happened when Kim and Trump met in Singapore in June, Trump was only there for a very short time. Kim looked very relaxed. He didn't look nervous. He wasn't at all anxious meeting Trump. He was having a very good time. And they very quickly signed their agreement to go forward with peace talks and denuclearization. And that was it. And Trump ended up leaving the meeting early. To an objective outsider, it looked like something had been set up ahead of time. And Q suggested that Trump had already met with them and kind of worked out the details. So in that post, Q said, thank you, Kim. We took control, strings cut, 
clowns out. I ran next. And Q has often posted on the end of various uh, posts, Iran is next. So after meeting with Kim and making uh, some progress toward denuclearization, Iran is next. And I've been writing quite a bit on my, on my blog about what I believe is Trump's plan to broker a peace agreement with Iran and potentially Syria through Russia. In the same way that North Korea is a satellite, a proxy of China, Syria and Iran are proxies of Russia. And I believe Trump has been in having back-channel negotiations with Putin to broker a peace agreement with Iran and Syria. And Q, now this is back in March, someone responded to Q when Q said Iran is next, and Anand said, Iran is going to be a tougher nut to crack. Hope the negotiations are going well. And Q said, resolved by 11-11-18. So Q kind of suggested that the situation in Iran would be resolved by 11-11. Then there was another post by Q, and this was in May, when one of the Anons, and a bunch of the Anons and Q were talking about when the arrests would happen. And Q was explaining that because there was so much corruption inside the FBI and DOJ, that they needed to clean out the top level people who were corrupt before they could begin the prosecution. Because if you have corrupt people inside the DOJ and FBI, FBI does investigations, DOJ does prosecution. If you have corrupt people in there, in the FBI, the investigations are going to be well, what happened to the Hillary email investigation is what's going to happen. They'll decide not to prosecute. If you have corrupt people in the DOJ, they'll botch the prosecution. So Q has been trying to explain to people, look, we have a process. We have to get rid of all these bad actors, these black hats inside the FBI and DOJ before we can start arresting people and prosecuting them. Because if we, if we don't do that, I mean, Sessions could have arrested all the deep state bad actors six months ago and put them up on trial. Half of them would have walked because there was still corruption inside the FBI and DOJ. So Q has been explaining to people, look, we have a process we're working through. We are getting rid of people in the FBI and DOJ, long lists of people, and periodically about every two months, Q will update the list of people that have been fired or removed from power in the FBI and DOJ. Right now, we've got about six people left that need to be either flipped and they need to turn state's evidence or they're going to be fired. And once those people are removed, that's probably when we're going to start seeing the prosecution. And Q also said, we need to appoint new judges because there's a lot of corrupt judges. We need to, Trump needs to appoint judges, circuit court judges, and district court judges so that they can bring these cases to judges who are going to give a fair ruling on them. So it's a, a multifaceted operation. So in the context of that discussion back in May, one of the Anons said, do you understand what this means? Do you, do you realize how long that's going to take? The Dems have been slow walking all of Trump's judicial appointments. It's going to take years to clean out all this corruption from the, from the courts, the DOJ, and the FBI. All right. Q responded to that post, said, what must be accomplished before 11-11-18? Post midterms, 11-11-18 was given as a very important marker. Justice truth. So Q has been has also suggested that on 11-11-18, by the time that date comes, there's going to be some significant changes in the DOJ, FBI, and the court system. And I don't know that they'll have the entire system cleaned out by then, but 11-11 has been dropped by Q and made as a very important marker for a, a lot of different things. Right. Yeah, there really seems to be a lot of indication that something big is coming down before 11-11, 
which is really only days away. And is it weird that as we're recording this, it's 11, 11 a.m. on Thursday morning? That's just weird, I'm sure. But anyway, let me ask you this. Are military tribunals coming? Yes or no? Yes. I, I don't expect you to pick a date, but any sort of timeline that we can be looking at? Uh, you know, I probably shouldn't give a timeline. I, I don't have any, Q has not indicated much other than some dates that are important and some events that need to happen first. I'm going to say soon. In order for, in, let's let's break this up into military and civilian. In order for these people to be prosecuted in the civilian court system, and some of them will be, FBI needs to be cleaned out completely. DOJ needs to be cleaned out. And we probably need to get a few more judicial appointments in before the civilian process is ready to begin the prosecutions. And I think when those last uh, group of people, um, and I can give you the names if you want, are removed from the DOJ and FBI, I think it's mostly DOJ people left. These The people that we've gotten rid of so far are James Comey, Andrew McCabe, uh, Jim Rubicki, who is uh, chief of staff for James Comey, James Baker. They've all been fired. Bill Priestap, he's director of counterintelligence. He is a cooperating witness and he's still inside the FBI. Peter Strzok, gone. Lisa Page, gone. Mike Cortan, gone. Josh Campbell, gone. Dave Lofman, gone. John Carlin, DOJ, National Security Division, gone. Sally Yates, gone. Mary McCord, she was acting uh, assistant attorney general, gone. Bruce Orr is cooperating witness. Rachel Brand, gone. Batter's Box, these are the people that are left to be cleaned out of the DOJ. Michael Steinbach, John Glack alone, Randy Coleman, Trish Anderson, Kevin Kleinsmith, Tashina Gohar, and Sally Moyer. And they, many of those people were, were wrapped up in the mid-year investigation, the Hillary email investigation. Those people, those last, I think it's seven people, once they are dealt with and either flipped or fired, I think that will clean out the DOJ. And from that point on, we'll probably start to see the arrests. So that's on the civilian side. On the military side, Trump issued a executive order that had to do with military trials. This was in March of this year. It makes, it it puts into effect a number of changes in the court-martial system. And those changes take effect in January. So if I had to speculate, (laughs) I would speculate that come January, we might be seeing some military tribunals. January, all gloves are off. I I feel that too. Is FISA going to declassify, do you think? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. The deep state is terrified of the Carter Page's FISA application being declassified. In fact, Q asked, why is the New York Times fighting the Carter Page FISA declassification? (laughs) What do they have to lose about this document being declassified? Why are they objecting and why are they begging Trump not to declassify the Carter Page FISA application? Because it's going to shed light and it's going to expose a lot of corruption in foreign governments, in our own government. So the deep state is terrified of that. And it's and it's not just the Carter Page FISA application. Like I said, along with that, go all of Bruce Orr's 302s. His best, his, when he did his um, interviews with the FBI, they do 302s. It's a FBI report, field report. Uh, all of those are going to be declassified. In addition to that, all of the internal text messages and emails between James Comey, Andrew McCabe, Bruce Orr, Peter Strzok, and Lisa Page, those are all going to be declassified as well. 
So we're going to get a lot more information when all that stuff is declassified. Trump has already authorized the declassification of all of it. But because Mike Horowitz, the DOJ inspector general, has an ongoing investigation that could potentially include grand juries who are hearing evidence, some of that evidence could be presented to a grand jury. If evidence is being presented to a grand jury, it can't be made public. Uh, so Horowitz is, Trump is aware of that and he said Mike Horowitz is coordinating with Huber, who is responsible for the prosecution. Horowitz is responsible for the investigation. They're coordinating. And Trump has put it in in the timing uh, is going to allow Horowitz to decide when that is going to be declassified. Although now that we have Whitaker on as attorney general, we don't know what he, he could declassify additional information along with all that other stuff. So Lots there's a lot of moving parts to this thing. There's a lot of moving parts. Well, now let me ask you this. Do you think, will JFK Jr. being alive, do you think that'll be revealed at some point? If he is, I think it'll be revealed. I mean, I know a lot of people who are, are interested in knowing that and they think that he is and they, they do a lot of research and they believe that he's alive. Um, that is not something that the Lord has asked me to look into. So it's not really on my radar. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, now let me ask you this. I, I think this is really a, what a lot of people want to know and they really ask me this is, uh, have you had any new dreams lately? <laughs> Had a dream about Q last night. Oh wow! Share, share. I, I have I have dreams about Q posts probably a couple 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 times a week. So last night's dream, I, I can just summarize it. I was looking at these posts that Q was putting out. A lot of my Q dreams are symbolic, so these weren't like regular looking Q posts. They were symbolic representations of Q posts. But I knew that they it was revelation and I, things that Q was putting out there. What I noticed about this, this information was that quite a bit of the information that Q was putting out had a quality to it that could not be received by very many people. It was over their heads, not in, in a malicious way, because when I looked at the post, I was like, oh, I, I totally get this. I understand it. It makes sense to me. But I had an understanding in the dream that that information would make most people just scratch their heads and go, I don't know what that means. So that, and that's actually pretty common for the type of dreams I have about Q. Um, the Lord will give me insights into not the content of what Q is posting, but the effect it's going to have on other people or myself or whatever. I have had a few dreams in the last month where I was watching what I would say is a timeline of events coming to pass that Q had predicted long ago. I just saw one event after another, after another, after another coming to fruition that Q had been talking about for quite a long time. I've had two or three dreams like that in the last couple of months. Uh, <laughs> I know people are angry and upset and scratching their heads over Q right now, but I have a very different perspective because God gives me a lot of inside baseball on what Q is doing. So I'm just following what the Lord is showing me. Well, and you know what? God does give us intel that we're not going to get, especially from the, the fake news. And you look at some of the headlines coming out. We have to have a lot of discernment because this fake news, is this thing is right off the rails right now. You know, the false flags are back to the gun grab this week, of course, seeing what happened in California. I mean, you want to talk about Twilight Zone headlines. Check this out. And how bizarre is this? Let's flash forward a year after Las Vegas, the anniversary of the Vegas shooting, the California shooting where 12 or 13 were killed at this country music bar. Is it weird that some of the survivors of the Las Vegas shooting were present at this Thousand Oaks shootings? 
I mean, how bizarre is this? I know. How weird is that? How weird is that? It's, it's like, like winning the lottery twice. Yeah, you can't you cannot make up some of this stuff. But that goes back to what I said about, you know, pressing in, uh, going to God in prayer, discernment. Discernment is really important. Oh, Sheila prayed that I have discernment. Listen, the word of God is a discerner. Get in your word. That is so important. Prayer, spiritual warfare fasting. Who fasts anymore? It's really important that we as Christians really get into prayer and fasting. That's really important. I mean, look at the kind of intel Daniel was shown. You know, do we want that kind of intel? Well, we need to be really focused on what God is saying, not the bought out, sold out minions at fake news. I mean, look at that atrocity. It's go reread Jeremiah 29 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans to give you a future and hope. We may not know the plan, but we've got to trust the plan. Oh, yes. To me, it means trusting that Trump is a pretty smart guy, trusting that he is smarter than his opponents, trusting that he has good people around him who are looking out for him and and they have his back, and trusting that those people have our best interest at heart. That's trusting the plan. And I think it's really important. We need to be praying for our nation. We need to be in spiritual <laughs> Every warfare. day. Every day we need to be in spiritual warfare. And I've always yep. said this, prayer is when you're addressing God. Warfare is when you're addressing the enemy. And too many Christians are just not engaged in the spiritual warfare. You know, a lot of people are, are hammering my good friend, Mark Taylor. You know, he's getting hammered for a lot of things. Q's come under fire. You know, everybody's just, oh, I've had enough with Q. I've had enough with Mark. Everyone's putting so much pressure on someone else to give him the answers. People have to go to the Lord. And besides that, when a prophet speaks, everybody just expects it to happen in the next week. Who said that those things are even coming to pass? And the other thing people don't understand is God works through the prayers of his people. Some things I believe are averted by prayer and some things don't happen because people don't pray. So there's a lot of variables here. Unrealistic expectations. <laughs> you, that's, and that's what it comes down to. I mean, People say to me all the time, oh, that didn't come to pass, That whatever Q said. My attitude is like, did Q actually give us a timeline of when it was supposed to come to pass? Bingo. Like 90% of the stuff that Q posts, we don't have a timeline on when it's supposed to come to pass. So week after week, people message me, that didn't come to pass. That didn't come to pass. That hasn't happened yet. I'm like, it will. <laughs> <laughs> When, when the Lord gives you a prophetic word about something that's going to happen and you don't get a timeline, do you keep bugging the Lord every week saying, it didn't happen, it didn't happen, it hasn't come to pass yet? No. You pray into it and you move yourself forward and you wait for the fulfillment of it to happen. Well, it's just like the red tsunami. I've said it myself. We are going to see a red tsunami. Mark has said a red tsunami. You and Mark said red tsunami. Listen, I still believe a red tsunami is coming. It didn't necessarily mean the midterms. No, and and that's exactly right. Uh, If you think about what a tsunami is, a tsunami is a very slow process. Before the tsunami hits land, there's usually an earthquake. The earthquake sends out shockwaves. The waves build. As a tsunami reaches shore, water recedes from the shoreline and then it builds up into the wave. And it's a process. And I think the fulfillment of the red wave, we're not going to see it until the arrests, until the special elections. And I think after the arrests happen and people are red-pilled about the corruption in government, that is going to probably be the fulfillment of the fullness of the red red tsunami. Uh, We haven't seen it yet. It's coming. 
It's coming. Exactly. Amen to that. Well, listen, we have a couple minutes left in the show. Whatever is on your heart to share with the folks, Dave, you just take some time and tell folks what is important going forward here post-election. Do not let the mainstream media news get inside your head. That is number one. A lot of people know that the mainstream media news has a bias, has an anti-Trump agenda, and they still listen to the mainstream media. And that just annoys the heck out of me because people come to me all the time. Oh, I heard this. Oh, I read this. Oh, this can't be true. Oh, did you hear this? Read this. And I'm like, no, I haven't because I gave it up. I kicked the habit a long time ago. And I just wish people would realize it's one thing to know that the mainstream media is fake news. It's another thing to actually do something about it and stop listening to them and turn it off. Guard your heart with all diligence. You have to realize that the, your ear gates and your and the gate in, of your soul, the things you let in are going to affect your, your peace, your prosperity, your state of mind. So if you don't want to go to bed anxious and having you know, anxiety attacks every night over the news, stop listening to the fake news. Just turn it off and listen to God. I get probably 50% of my understanding of what's happening in the world. I just trust the Lord. I look for prophetic words. I pay attention to my dreams. I pay attention to the Holy Spirit. I listen as much as I can to what the Holy Spirit is saying to me through the still small voice. That is like 50% of the content of how I perceive the world. Q is pro- probably makes up another 25%. Um, I'm continually going back and looking at what Q has said. And then um, I'm on Twitter quite a bit, and I'm just perusing what people are saying, what's going on, commentaries, um, filtering all of it through what God has already shown me and through what Q is saying. And I sleep really good at night. <laughs> I don't I don't <laughs> worry. I don't stress. Uh, you know, I'm just... I'm asking the Lord every night, give me wisdom, give me understanding. If there's something I need to know, help me understand it. I I will say this. I think there are some events coming that are going to be shocking to people. And the thing that you need to do when you see shocking news, do not freak out, number one. Number two, understand that there is one specific event coming, and I don't know if it is financial or, or what it is. It could be. There's an event coming that nearly everybody is going to misunderstand and misinterpret, misinterpret God's purpose for it. And the people who wait and allow God to reveal the true purpose for that event are going to be blessed and they're going to understand and they're gonna they're gonna walk through it in peace. Everybody else is gonna be freaking out when this thing happens. And I don't really know what it is. But I had a dream where God showed me an event and then a couple of documents. The document had to be unlocked, one of them, in order for us to understand what was happening with this event. And it was a process where God had to give us understanding revelation to correctly interpret this event. The second thing I would say is when something happens unexpectedly, like Jeff Sessions gets fired or steps down or whatever it is, whatever news event that happens suddenly, and you're tempted to think something is going wrong, go and look at the accounts of people like James Comey, Eric Holder, Sally Yates, John Brennan, and some of the Washington Post and New York Times. Look at what they're saying on Twitter about that event. If they are freaking out, if they are strenuously objecting, if they're losing their minds, even if you think this is a bad thing for us, if they're freaking out, it's a good thing for us. They would not be losing it. They would not be freaking out unless they knew this was a bad thing for them. So this whole thing with Jeff Sessions, a lot of conservatives freaked out about Sessions stepping down. Well, 
a lot of Trump's enemies were also freaking out. If Trump's enemies are freaking out, it's not a bad thing for us. It's a good thing. Yeah, I agree. So those are just some, you know, pearls of wisdom for the next few months. Just realize we're in a very dynamic situation right now. The midterms are past. The snowball is rolling and it is gaining speed. And we're going to see some pretty crazy stuff happen. Buckle up, stay in prayer, seek wisdom from God. Well said. Yeah, seek wisdom from God. Instead of being in panic, why not be in prayer? What does it say there? Go read Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. Let your request be made known unto God. That is so important. Be in prayer and walk in faith. Dave, it was a pleasure to have you on the program today. Uh, I want to get into your, uh, I know you wrote a book on healing. I just would love to have you on literally come back like every month. I think I speak for all my listeners when I say we really appreciate your work and your faithfulness. So thank you so much, sir. We look forward to you coming back real soon. Thank you, Sheila. It has been good uh, spending time with you. And I would love to come back and talk about healing, you know, supernatural, whatever it is you want to talk about. Thanks, Dave. Folks, that was Praying Medic. You can find him over there on Twitter, Twitter, Facebook. I've got his links there in the description below. An easy way to go to Twitter. Just type in the search bar at Praying Medic on Twitter. And you can find him on Facebook. He's got a tremendous following on his social media. And what a great guy. It was so wonderful to have him break all that stuff down. So what a tremendous blessing. Hey, listen, reach out to Dave and let him know you heard him on the program for the first time. It's always nice for guests to get some feedback and it makes them want to come back on the show. So, you know, I do my part. You guys do your part and reach out to him and let him know you really. I enjoyed this interview. I thought it was awesome. And we'll really be keeping our eyes on 1111, won't we? There's so much more to come. And like he said, buckle up indeed. I have a fantastic show. Be watching for it tomorrow with Elvis Newhart from Germany. You want to be watching for that. Make sure you are subscribed to my YouTube channel. A lot of people ask me, hey, how can I follow you on Twitter, on Facebook? How can I follow your main show page? And how can I watch for your shows? Well, go to www.sheila.media, not .com. It's www.sheila.media. You just simply go there and go check out my headlines. Do you guys know that we update the headlines every single weekday? And boy, that's a lot of work. I want you to go to my website, scroll down, check out the headlines, and I would love to get your feedback. It takes myself and a part-time staff to be up on those headlines. You really can stay in the loop by going over there and bookmarking www.sheila.media. And on the left, you'll see all my social media icons. And look for me also, just type in a search, Sheila Zelinsky Podomatic, and that's where you'll find my podcast. Right now, looking after my dad, I'm only doing one show a week. And if I get two done, well, that's amazing. So I am really working towards getting two done per week right now until further notice. But listen, there's a fantastic November perk. I'm going to be having some of my guests, including Mark Taylor this month, is going to do a private Q&A with my patrons for a certain amount. You can find all that information over there. And I do send my patrons exclusive monthly bi-weekly newsletters. I keep them in the loop on things that are going on. So I really do hope you too become one of my patrons today 
for any amount. And I thank you so much for that. And I want to thank my patrons today. I'm really starting to offer some amazing perks, perks that you've asked for. I want to make them happen. I've got a lot of incredible things coming out in the new year, including online spiritual warfare school, some beginning and advanced deliverance. It's just going to be powerful stuff. And my web team is working on launching something in 2019 where you can just type in your zip code and you can find prayer partners near you, home groups near you, connecting the end time remnant. I bought a website a while ago called Remnant Roundup, and I want to start rounding up the remnant. Trust me, I know a lot of you email me about that. Tremendous amount of emails every week. I get at least 700 emails a month just regarding that topic. And I'm working on it, people. I assure you that. Listen, thank you so much for tuning into the broadcast tonight. I love you all. Good night and God bless.